Uh, this morning, I'm going to take a few minutes and uh, talk to you about speaking life. Uh, I'm going to be following uh, in James this morning. Uh, Pastor Matt gave me two verses to speak about. Uh, speaking life is somewhat of a motto of mine. It's something that I've uh, told my children ever since they were little. Uh, whenever I've heard them maybe complaining about a teacher or a co-worker or a friend or whatnot, I always remind them, speak life. Don't speak death over that person. Speak life. You know, my son, uh, his biology teacher gave him homework to do over the weekend, and he didn't agree with that. And uh, he thought it was silly. And I was quick to remind him, I'm like, you need to speak life. You know, she's equipping you for college. She's equipping you for success in life. And uh, so speak life over that situation. You know, sometimes at, at night I have to remind myself to speak life. You know, my wife will ask me for a foot massage. And I'm thinking to myself, doesn't she realize I've worked all day? I've worked all day. But I have to tell myself, speak life. Because while I may have worked all day, she got up early, she made my coffee, she made my breakfast, she got my son off to school. All I had to do was go to work. You know? We have a house cleaning ferry in our house or something because the house always stays clean. The laundry always stays clean. It's folded, put away every day. I don't know how all that happens. I don't know how all that happens, but I have to remind myself, speak life. Speak life. So that's the title of my message this morning, Speak Life. Another way we're taught this sometimes is, is uh, when we're young is if you don't have anything nice to say. Yeah, that's right. Don't say anything at all. Uh, I talked to my good friend Google earlier this week and uh, found out some of these other things. When you don't have anything nice to say, obviously don't say anything at all. Also, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all and don't post it on social media. If you don't have anything nice to say, say it anyway. People need to hear the truth. If you don't have anything nice to say, whisper it. <laughs> if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, and let them wonder why you're so quiet around them. If you don't have anything nice to say, say it sarcastically, but don't forget to laugh when you're done, because <laughs> that makes it all better, right? And my favorite, if you don't have anything nice to say, Come sit by me and we can make fun of people together. <laughs> We're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 this morning. Let's pray. Father, I just come before you, Lord, and I humble myself before you, Lord, and I just pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Give me your words to speak this morning, not mine, but yours, Father. I pray that these words would be received with open hearts this morning and that it would bring transformation into the life of this body. Lord, I ask these things through Christ Jesus. Amen. James 4, verse 11, starts with, Brothers and sisters, do not slander anyone. In the message, it says, Don't badmouth each other, friends. The worldly definition of slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging a person's reputation. 
In court, we call it oral defamation, uh, where someone tells a person or a group of persons an untruth about someone else, and that truth damages that person's reputation. Um, slander is a civil tort that can be the basis of a lawsuit. You know, that's, that's a good worldly definition, but God's standard is so much higher for us. God's standard is so much higher. As, as a rule, it does include making a false charge, but it goes beyond that. God's definition of slander may even include telling the truth, if that truth is going to harm somebody for a hostile purpose. So it's not, God's standard is not just making a false accusation. You may be speaking truth, but that could be damaging to a brother and sister, brother or sister. And so God's standard is so much higher. So let me just say that making a false accusation against a brother or sister is wrong. That's kind of a slam dunk, a no-brainer. I think we can all agree that, that making a false accusation against a brother or sister is just wrong. Correct? The real challenge as a Christian is to refrain from any speech that is intended to run down a brother or sister in Christ, even though it may be true. That could be a challenge. Personally, I can think of few commands that go against commonly accepted conventions more than this. Most people think it's okay to convey negative information if it's true. You know, we understand that lying is immoral, but is passing along damaging or harmful truth immoral? It seems almost a moral responsibility to pass along what we know, especially if it's true. We, f we feel like we have a moral obligation to tell people if something against a brother or sister is true. But by such reasoning, we can conclude that criticism behind another's back is thought to be all right if it's true. Likewise, gossip is okay if the information's true, isn't it? Of course, we would never call it gossip because we're speaking truth, right? Sometimes we as believers use truth as a license to righteously run down or diminish another's reputation. Well, what does this look like? Well, hey, did you hear about Paul? You know, you really need to watch yourself around him. I, I, I heard he's done time a couple times. He's been locked up a couple times. You know, he's been, he's been in jail. Pretty scary, right? Not really. Maybe we should pray for him, because if we pray for him, then we're not really gossiping about Paul, right? You know, we don't really need to pray for Paul. He died a couple thousand years ago. We've, we refer to him today as the Apostle Paul. In that context, it's not necessarily so scary. You know, our Jesus was arrested, wasn't he? Our Jesus was arrested, wasn't he? Yeah. Or maybe it looks something like this. Oh, my spirit's grieved this morning. And then somebody makes a mistake of saying, okay, why is your spirit grieved this morning? 
You see that young girl over there? Look at how she's dressed. Okay, maybe her, sh maybe her shirt, maybe her skirt's a little too short. And then the conversation goes on. Oh, that poor girl, she just doesn't respect herself. She's going to cause some young man to stumble. We need to stop. We need to speak life. Amen. We don't know what's in that young girl's closet. That might be the only thing she, that might be the nicest outfit she had this morning. Here she is thinking she's coming to church dressing up for Jesus and we're tearing her down. It's, it's almost like here's your invitation to not come back to church anymore. Thanks for showing up, but please don't come back. We need to stop and speak life. Hopefully you'll agree that speaking evil is wrong. It's even wrong when it may be true. Another way we speak evil against our brothers and sisters is face to face. We might agree that it's not right to speak behind their back, but if we're telling them face to face, then it's okay. Because I'm speaking truth, right? We have a moral compulsion to make people aware of their faults. No, we don't. No, we don't. It's not, our, it's not our responsibility to make people aware of their faults. Most people are painfully aware of their faults already. I know what a lot of my faults are. I don't, I don't necessarily need people to point them out to me. I'm trying to work on them. I'm trying to work it out. Uh, you know, pointing out each other's faults doesn't necessarily uh, help us, does it? We need to stop. We need to speak life. Several years ago, I was having problems with my feet, and I went to a doctor uh, that was in my office building. And I got to his office early. I filled out his 42 pages of paperwork, <laughs> answered every possible health question that they could think of. This doctor was an 87-year-old man who still worked half days. God bless him. I got there. The nurse came and took me back into the office. She took my blood pressure. She weighed me, got my height, checked my pulse, did all those things. Then she proceeded to ask me almost every question that was in those 42 pages, <laughs> because that's what they do. And uh, the time finally came for me to see the doctor. The doctor didn't come into an ex examination room. I went into his office because he had a hard time getting around. And so I go in his office, I sit down, he looks at me, he proceeds to look at my file, and he studies it. And then I'll never forget what he, what he said to me. He looked at me, and, and his diagnosis was this. He said, you're too fat, you need to lose weight. <laughs> so I got a new doctor. But you know, that doctor wasn't lying. I know I've got a little extra muscle around my core. My wife so lovingly refers to this as la buena vida. For you white people, that's the good life. Roger, that's the good life. But you know, I thought to myself, I said, man, that doctor, he doesn't know me like that. You're too fat, you need to lose weight. 
I thought, doctor, stop, speak life. <laughs> speak life. You know, I could come up with a lot more examples um, of why we speak evil and how people have spoken evil, but we could be here all day. And there's many reasons why we choose to speak evil and not speak life. It might be revenge, self-righteousness, a, uh, a need to elevate ourselves above others. I mean, there's many reasons. We might have too much idle time. Um, I'm sure you all can think of many more reasons. In James uh, verse 11, the second half of that, James tells us, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. In the message version, it says, it's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. So James' first argument is that when you speak evil against other believers, you're exalting yourself above his royal law of love. You exalt yourself above God's royal law of love when we speak evil against other believers. Now hear this, James is not saying that as Christians we are never to make judgments about others or never speak truth to people. He's not saying that. So this might be a little confusing, right? Well, you're telling us not to judge others, but now you're telling us there's time to judge others. Oftentimes we like to quote Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we mistakenly interpret this to mean that if you make a judgment about someone's actions, then you will be in big trouble with God. We shouldn't judge. But if you continue in that passage and read the full context, it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus does not forbid judgment. Rather, he forbids, he, he, uh, forbids us as sinners to exercise judgment while refusing to deal with the sin in our own life. Do you see the distinction? In fact, it's our Christian duty to exercise judgment, providing it's within the right context. Further down in the same passage, we're instructed as follows. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Well, how can we determine if someone's a false prophet? We have to judge them according to the standard of God's word. It's okay to judge according to the standard of God's word. By their fruit you will recognize them. Recognition hinges on careful judgment. We are, we are to judge such things as adultery, murder, lying, and theft as sins. And if anyone does these things, 
we must judge them as being sinful. Jesus said, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So while judgment is acceptable, judgmentalism is not. And this is the point I believe James is trying to make in this passage. And it's kind of confusing, right? What's the difference? Judgmental, judgmentalism? Let me say this. Sound judgment is always rooted in a discerning spirit enhanced by an effective prayer life. That's, that's probably the point of the message this morning that I would like for you to take home. Sound judgment is always rooted in a discerning spirit and enhanced by an effective prayer life. Notice I didn't say a busy prayer life. I'm not talking about praying through your list for 10 minutes every morning. Uh, while that's not bad, I'm not saying I'm, that's not a knock against praying through a list, but I'm talking about really interceding for somebody, crying out unto the Lord before you cast judgment on that person. Not only interceding and crying out to the Lord in that situation, but then taking a step back and listening unto the Lord, because that's where your discernment happens. It's not necessarily in you speaking. It's in you hearing from the Lord. That's how you'll receive your discernment. Years ago, when my wife and I were living in Chicago, uh, she came to me and she sensed that that some of our youth leaders uh, had, a, had a struggle going on. And one thing I can tell you about my wife is I know that I know that I know that my wife is a prayer warrior. When, when she says she's gonna pray for somebody, she prays for somebody. And she'll pray and pray and pray and pray and pray until, until she sees God's hand move or she receives an answer from God. She has a very discerning spirit in her prayer life. And uh, what she had sensed was we had two couples that were working with our, with our youth ministry, and she sensed that, that the couples were having an affair. Somehow there was an affair going on. And, uh, and so she and I prayed about it, and we went and spoke with one of our elders at the church, and. Uh, just told him what my wife was sensing and we prayed with the elder and then and then he took it and uh, we, we left it with him and a few days later uh, the elders called these couples in these couples in to the uh, church office to, to talk to them and it was confirmed there was indeed one of the husbands uh, and one of the wives were involved romantically and uh, it was confirmed. I'm, I'm happy to say today that, that both couples repented. They both submitted themselves to the uh, discipline plan that the elders at that church put in place. They were both restored through that discipline plan. They're both couples are still married to their original partners today, and they're both serving in ministry. That's the way discerning judgment works. Not going out and telling everybody, hey, I think these people are having an affair. Um, that's an example of good sound judgment. Judgmentalism, on the other hand, usually involves a condemning spirit. Well, your, sinners, your, your sin is bigger than my sin, 
So it's okay for me to talk about your sin because it's bigger than mine. It really calls into account your motive. If your motive behind your judgment is not to lead people to Christ, then you're exercising judgmentalism. So before you go and approach somebody, that, that, that should be at the forefront of your mind. Am I going to that person because I want to lead them into a stronger, deeper, better relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is it just my moral obligation to point out their fault? What's your motive? It is this unkind, judgmental spirit that James attacks in verse 11. His point is when anyone speaks down about his brother or sister, he breaks the royal law of love, to love your neighbor as yourself. In doing so, you are guilty of breaking God's law. Your failure to keep the law amounts to judging it as invalid and unnecessary. Thereby, you exalt yourself above God's royal law of love. You think you can improve God's royal law of love. James' second argument is that when you speak evil against other believers, you not only set yourself above his law, but you set yourself above God. In verse 12, it says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? In the message, it says, God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? God's sovereign capacity to save and destroy is repeated many times in the Bible. In Deuter Deuteronomy 32, uh, chapter 32, verse 39, it says, See now that I myself am he, there is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal, and no one can deliver out of my hand. Hannah acknowledges this in her prayer in 1 Samuel, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. And in, in Matthew, Jesus warned his followers, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So these scriptures help to explain James' logic in verse 12. Since God is the only one who can save and destroy, only God has the right to judge. Therefore, for me to judge another believer is to infringe upon God's right to judge. Judgmentalism is not only arrogant, but it's blasphemous. This alone should make us pause and think the next time we want to exercise undiscerned judgment. And James concludes verse 12 with a rhetorical question. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to judge your neighbor? We don't know what's in the heart of others. Only God does. He knows. He knows every little nuance. He knows every little fault. He knows every little problem that's in my heart. You don't. Sometimes I don't. I don't even know what's in my own heart sometimes. 
It comes out ugly sometimes. But God knows. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will ex expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. You know, you should give thanks and I should give thanks that we don't judge each other because we all fall short of the glory of God, don't we? We all fall short. So I think that we can all agree that speaking evil of each other and casting undiscerned judgments on one another is a serious, serious sin. But James sets the record straight. It's one of the worst sins because when we do it, we exalt ourselves above God's royal law and we exalt ourselves above God. And Jesus, he's the best example for judging. In 1 Peter, it says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus didn't, even Jesus didn't cast judgment. He entrusted himself to the one who does. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we're here in your house today as a reminder of how you have loved us. We came together this morning to worship and bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, I'm always amazed at how you draw us closer to you. Father, your love is amazing. Lord, hear our cry this morning as we cry out for you to transform our lives in a fresh, radical way, Lord. Lord, I, I would ask that you would remove any spirit of judgmentalism from this body, Lord. Renew it with a discerning spirit, Lord. A spirit that speaks life to each other. Father, a spirit that loves one another. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to follow you all the days of our lives. Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.